Oh, you know what I did yesterday? I did it. I tried to go to Metro, but I didn't know where anything was, and they were out of stock, and I needed groceries. And although I was really peeved at Galen, you know who you are, Galen, for sending me that email yesterday that you sent to everybody. Hey, everybody, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do you a solid. I'm going to freeze the prices on all no-name items. I find myself where? In a superstore. Man. I actually didn't buy any no-name products just because I was like, I'm not buying anything with no name on it. That's how upset I am, which is ridiculous because I thought the price freeze, the whole idea was to save me money. I'm just, I'm skeptical and I'm not the only one. This is really interesting. Chris Creston pointed out this article, um, it was in the CBC, and in it, a spokesperson for the metro metro chain of grocery stores said this. It's an industry practice to have a price freeze from November 1st to February 5th for all private label and national brand grocery products. I say what? Exactly. It's an industry, industry practice. And this will be the case again this year in all metro banners. There may be a few price increases received prior to October 31st that will appear on the shelf, but no price increases thereafter. So if you're wondering if they were going to follow suit, the other grocery stores, yeah, they already have. They do that. Greg Brady spoke with a research coordinator for the Agri-Foods Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University, Janet Music on 640 Toronto this morning, talking about the uh, price freezes on their no-name brand being a publicity stunt because a lot of people are saying that. Greg began asking Janet her thoughts on Metro's statement saying that the price freeze, these are about their protocol across the entire grocery industry. Well, I was quite surprised, as I'm sure many people were. The wording of the statement was, uh, shall we say, not proofread probably. And, you know, people are already skeptical about the behavior of these retailers. And I don't think that statement will do any favors for any of them. And so are there blackout periods? You know, we assume that they do have blackout periods, but for them to come right out and say, this is an industry practice when there's only really three or five people in that industry. Well, I think that, you know, needs some looking into. So, but it gets people thinking as well. And we expect at certain times of year to pay more for this uh, food and that food. And we expect, you know, turkeys to cost differently in October and December than they might in April. But the concept is, is that it's a little bit more pushed out there and made patently obvious when Metro puts out a statement like that. Absolutely. And, you know, 20% of the yearly kind of profit or revenue is made during the holiday season, which I would probably classify between November and December. So for them to say that they they are putting a blackout or freezing prices, and, and this year they're already highly inflated, that really needs to be, you know, addressed, I think. And, you know, we've been hearing Jagmeet Singh talk about, you know, gouging and, and profiteering, which are very specific terms when it comes to price fixing. But maybe this is something, you know, maybe he was onto something. Maybe this is something that we need to look closely at. 
All right. Well, here to look a little closely at this, uh, Mike Von Masso, who is an associate professor at the Department of Food, Agriculture and Resource Economics at the University of Guelph, joins the Kelly Cotrera show. Um, clearly, this this situation right now, uh, Metro released a response to the freeze. There's obviously bad blood between these grocery giants. Could, could we see that turn out in the favor of a, a bit of a price war, do you think? Well, I think I think clearly Metro has come out and said, oh, look, that's not that big a deal. We always do this. I think, uh, as, uh, as was mentioned earlier, it was probably not... Uh, it was probably not wordsmithed, wordsmithed very carefully, but but clearly, if you take a price action in the marketplace, one that might attract customers in, uh, you could expect others to respond because the grocery business is about getting people in the door and about selling them as much as we can once they're in the door. So uh, whether or not the prices were going to be frozen uh Anyway, for that time period, uh, Loblaw came out and said, we're going to do it. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. We're still seeing ongoing price inflation. If they say they're not going to pass it on uh, for a few months, thank you very much. Whether, you know, I I don't buy a lot of no-name products either. Uh, But but, uh, I think that if you do take an action, which wasn't necessarily cutting price, but saying we're not going to raise them even if prices continue to go up, is a competitive move, and I would expect others to respond. Is this a clear sign of collusion? Well, to me, it's difficult to say there's a clear sign of collusion, because what we're hearing is we're not going to increase prices. And, and, you know, when we've seen collusion in the past, the bread price fixing, mm-hmm. that was to avoid price cuts. Right. They're saying we're not going to increase price prices. This seems to me to be uh, to the benefit of consumers. But is it so possible that they're not going to increase prices because they've already done it? Like they've already anticipated the price freeze was coming. So you know what? We'll stop here. How high can we go? And then we just stop. Well, again, there, there, there is no evidence, Kelly, that there is uh, price gouging happening at, uh, at the grocery, uh, at the, at, at, in the grocery business. There are a bunch of factors that are increasing the price of, uh, of food for a variety of reasons across the board. Mm. And, and we're seeing that reflected in prices across the board. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we're saying, well, there might be a little bit of an increase in, uh, there might be a little bit of an increase in margins, but there could be a variety of reasons that that's happening. So what I'm saying is mm-hmm. maybe it's happening, but it's not clear that it's happening. Right. I think that, that what we're doing, and, and, and frankly, I think there's lots of opportunism happening on both sides. You know, you call it a cynical ploy. Uh, on the part of Loblaws, I think it's a cynical ploy on the part of federal politicians who are saying, oh, look, the, the, the grocers are to blame. There are a bunch of factors that are affecting, that are affecting food prices. And as prices, you know, food inflation has actually been less in Canada than it has been in Britain uh, and, and was less for several months than it was in the U.S. It's not clear that there is evidence that the grocers are taking advantage here. Now, 
maybe they are or maybe they're not, but I, but I think mm-hmm. we're oversimplifying the problem by trying to find a single scapegoat. Here. Yeah, but can we even compare ourselves to Britain? I mean, they're dealing with Brexit. It's it's a very different uh, political climate and uh, just an economic climate there than it is here in Canada. I know we've been hurt by the pandemic, but I, I couldn't help but wonder if this was this idea of price freezing is a sneaky way to keep prices inflated longer when they may have dropped. Well, the... the it's, it's a reasonable question to ask, but I think then we need to look at the, the broader situation. The war in the Ukraine is still going on, so there is still some wheat and vegetable oil products that are not coming onto the market. That is leading to some price inflation. We know that we continue to have capacity issues. Uh, we, we continue to have capacity issues in the supply chain. We're, you know, I've, I've heard the number of 20,000 truckers they're looking for in North America. So even if fuel prices are coming down, access to those trucks is still limited. So, yes, there may be other factors here, but there are a ton of things that are affecting food prices that, 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 that we just don't have grocers, mm-hmm. um, the grocers sort of cranking up prices willy-nilly and, and, saying, and laughing all the way to the bank. And yeah. So- it's hard not to think that, though, when you look at your grocery bill and then you look back at the conveyor and you look at your grocery bill and then you think... Wow, I don't remember uh, paying so much for so little in you know in the past. But hey, uh, this is a new time. Mike Van Masso, thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Yesterday, the day started with an email from Galen Weston, the CEO of Loblaws, announcing a price freeze on all no-name products until the thirty-first of January. And we had NDP MP Charlie Charlie Angus, almost called him Charles, but I think he goes by Charlie, uh, on to discuss a motion that he tabled calling on the federal government to take steps to tackle greedflation and investigate the grocery stores and uh, call their CEOs to, par- to Parliament to discuss if they are indeed profiting from inflation. I'm happy to say it received unanimous support from MPs. So maybe we'll find out the truth. Maybe the big guys are gouging us, but, you know, they're not the only game in town. The Toronto Star ran a column on the weekend outlining how independent grocers are beating the big guys on produce prices. There are approximately 6,900 independent grocers in Canada, and it all starts with an early morning trip to the Ontario Food Terminal in the city's West End if you are in Ontario. Christy McMullen knows this quite well. She's VP of the Ontario Food Terminal and Vice President of Summerhill Market. She joins the Kelly Cotrera Show. Christy, thanks so much for being here. Hi, Kelly. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on the show today. A lot of people drive by the Ontario Food Terminal, and they don't even notice it. You can see it from the gardener. Can you describe the food terminal and its function and what happens there? For sure, absolutely. Yeah, it's true. A lot of people do drive by it every day. There's a lot of trucks down there. Um, Basically, it is the food terminal where um, produce from every uh, corner of the world shows up and uh, product is sold and distributed on a daily basis to independent grocers, retailers, food service places, and um, there's about 20 warehouse tenants that sell product as well as we have um, a farmer's market so where all uh, Canadian product is sold um, as well in certain a different area of the terminal. 
we were I was discussing this Toronto Star article and I thought it was really great. It gives some uh, insight into how independent grocers do really well uh, when it comes to produce. Can you discuss that and get a little deeper into how you guys managed to get some good deals? Absolutely. I think uh, one of the advantages of being in an uh, in Ontario OEM or, or someone from Toronto is that we have the food terminal and it really creates a great um, food centric area. A lot of the places that have food terminals are kind of where you find your best uh, restaurants, your best top food, top grocers and everything like that. So there's like Toronto, New York, Chicago, Philadelphia and LA is kind of where the food terminals are. So we're really lucky because what happens is, is um, I can we can go in for our store and we can select um, produce from different suppliers every day on a daily basis. So um, if there was, I can pick who has the best cherries each day or who has the best strawberries each day or who's got the best price on lettuce today. Um, whereas if you were, say, in Vancouver, you have to rely on one supplier that would supply your cherries, your lettuce, and your and uh, your tomatoes all at the same time. And so whatever quality they had and whatever price they had, that's what you'd have to take. So we have this huge advantage being in, um, in Ontario where we can go in and say, okay, you know what, your grapes are not the best today. I'm going to go get them from this other supplier. And so we can compete on prices and can pre- compete on quality. And uh, it just is really uh, an amazing place. And we're really fortunate to have it. I was reading that the large supermarkets, you know, you would think their buying power is better, but they have to advance book their product with growers from all over the world because they need so much of it. So they do not have that advantage that you're talking about. They can't, you know, wheel and deal the day of and try and get the best deal. And that's why sometimes we pay more. And if you, you know, you look at those sweet little fruit markets and you pass them by and think, oh, well, that's adorable. But really, stop. (laughs) Get out because they actually might save you money. We're all looking to save money. And the big change, because they have to pre-order, apparently, uh, sometimes they don't like what they've got. And then you guys also can um, enjoy the what they're going to reject. It's called the dumping factor. Can you speak to that? Yeah, like I don't know if I necessarily would call it dumping, um, but it, it's not it's not a huge amount. The chains do take a lot of their product from from there, but it does give an outlet. So say they had over too much of something, or um, say there was a, cha- a truck going for the chains and there was a snowstorm and it was delayed. And so the independence, we can get it from the food terminal on our shelf within an hour, whereas the chains, it has to go to a warehouse, it has to get processed, it has to get checked, it has to get sent out to all the different stores. And, and so... We're really um, mobile and quick to get things out on, on the shelf. So if there is a good deal and you can get it to our customers, we certainly try to do that for sure. Um, and um, it's just, you know, so the flexibility of independence really helps us in, in the produce. And just having that food terminal sets, sets us way ahead, out of, uh, ahead of the team stores a lot of the times on produce. What do you think the biggest advantage of, of shopping at an independent grocery store is? Oh, hundred um, percent is the is produce is quality, and that's really what sets us apart on, on the majority of things. And just being able to be nimble, we can change things, change, change our displays at any time. Um, we usually have better relationships with our customers. Where you know the owners are operating stores, so they're so we care a little more, and we're in there talking to our customers and getting feedback on a daily basis. Well, listen, uh, I'm a big fan of the independent grocery store that I visit, and I know that you at Summerhill, you've got a few outlets now, or a few, uh, I wouldn't call them outlets, what would you call them, because I know that's the wrong word. (laughs) These stores, sure. Go for the easy one, go for the one, don't try and be fancy, Kelly. All right, I'll follow that. 
Um, you've got a few stores, uh, and you also are a VP of the Ontario Food Terminal. Thanks for walking I, I, us through this. Chair, but yes. Oh, your chair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I'm off to a great start. Good thing the show's wrapping up in about 20 minutes' time. Christy, yeah, no thanks worries. Thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. You, you've really been helpful, and I think a lot of people are looking to save some money. So uh, any way we can, uh, we appreciate your help. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Kelly, for the opportunity. Have a great day. That's Christy McMullen. She is the chair of the Ontario Food Terminal. Okay.